Art Palace is sponsored by PNC Bank. Coming up on Art Palace. That's the beauty of artwork, though. That's that's the absolute beauty of it, is that it teaches us about ourselves. Like in this conversation, I'm learning about myself. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Kimmy Rimini, Behavior Support Manager for Hamilton County Developmental Disability Services. Kimmy is working with us on an upcoming program called FEELS, which stands for Functional Emotional Expression Learning Series. This program will work with partner organizations to help targeted groups find self-awareness and shared connections through meditation, art journaling, and guided activities. I am a formally trained um, ABA practitioner. ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis, um, and that's a form of behavior support. So I most recently uh, graduated from uh, Purdue Global Online with my master's degree, and um, that was after a 10-year lull. So I am um, in the field because I have an absolute passion for people with developmental disabilities and specifically people who have um, difficulties with communication and often express themselves through behavior that others see as unsafe or um dangerous even. So um, I really feel passionate about um, helping people find a voice and helping people feel safe and empowered, um, especially people who um, may not have as many opportunities or uh, be as globally understood. Growing up, my parents are just amazing and they're very, very arts oriented. So I grew up really surrounded by art Mm -hmm. and I find art very liberating for myself. And I find it a way to communicate when words fail us. So so have you used art in your work? Is that something that's come up before? Or? Yeah. So um, one of the things I do, aside from capitalizing on ABA so much, it's right in my brain because I just graduated grad school, but um, I am also trained in trauma-informed care. Okay. And many of the aspects of the training I received incorporate elements of art in the most beautiful way. So I'm really addressing art through all the senses. Mm -hmm. So feeling things and seeing things and learning about how pictures are the traveler in our brain and can help, you know, generate memories and help us feel safe and things like that. So we use a lot of art in trauma-informed care specifically when we're working with people. Um, It is not uncommon and it's my favorite thing ever to see markers and pencils and crayons and scrap paper and everywhere when we're going to trainings for trauma-informed care because they really encourage that Mm. sort of um, visceral sort of like body movement while you're listening and engaging Mm -hmm. all the senses. And, you know, that that was transformative to me because when I was growing up, I was a doodler and I was always told to put my stuff away or focus or whatever. And I focus far better when I'm creating. And so you know, trauma-informed care, just kind of touching on those parts of the brain and and really recognizing the power of that stuff. When we were uh, chatting about this, I mentioned that my interest sort of started for me 
thinking about how I didn't really know anything about art therapy. And mm-hmm. then you're sort of like, I'm not an art therapist. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so I kind of want to hear more about that and yeah. like sort of those distinctions and, and what what that means. Because I don't know if a lot of people sort of understand it or, or have a great picture of yeah. it. Yeah. So, so I don't know specifically what I'm creating here, but I see a distinct power in blending art and then these um, sort of, you know, in behavior science, there's... Um, evidence that repetition is what helps us change behavioral patterns that are often unsafe or that we need to change or we would like to work on. And um, that repetition is what makes these responses stick. And we're more likely to use those in the future if we receive the proper feedback after we engage in something, right? And you have to have opportunities to do that. And so that felt a little rigid to me at times Mm -hmm. and a little bit like, but what's the bigger picture, right? Like, so why am I engaging in these things that that aren't safe or maybe not not deemed by society to be appropriate? Or why do I need to change my behavior? And that's when I really got into um, this idea that we we can blend art as a way of exploring where some of our feelings come from. Mm-hmm. And then those feelings are translated into our overt behavior, which is measurable and we can see it, you know. But I I looked at this process of looking at artwork. And I mean, artwork is one of the most unifying things, right? Like Mm -hmm. words are hard. Words are tough. There's (laughs) a lot of different languages. Everybody speaks different languages. Everybody takes in what you're saying differently. But you could be from anywhere and you could look at the same piece of art as me, right? And and it is unifying in that way because we're looking at this piece Mm -hmm. and we're seeing colors and we're seeing things and we're all responding differently. And I think that that is, that art can be a way to practice responding overtly, measurably, in a very, very safe environment with other people in an inclusive way. It's sort of helping bring people together to practice these things that are sometimes really hard for us to address. I just wanted to push back a little bit. I think I know what you're saying, but I also, like, I grew up going to a Southern Baptist church, right? Mm -hmm. So if I go up and look at some of the pieces that are come out of like Catholicism and Mm -hmm. and have a lot of like saints and things, my knowledge of those is so bad. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about them, you know? So so I have to kind of learn. And and so it might not hit me in the exact same way that somebody who grew up Catholic would. And then then if you grew up Buddhist, Mm -hmm. those things might mean even less to you in the same way. Like, you know, you might be appreciating them on one level um, that's different than two people who both grew up in a Christian background. And similarly, if we went downstairs into our Asian galleries and looked at some Buddhist artworks, yes. you know, we might not immediately recognize some of the things. We would appreciate it, obviously, on 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 our sort of own mm-hmm. wavelength and get what we want, but we would not immediately understand. Uh, sometimes there are these like narratives built in. Like if you're looking at Christian art and you see a lamb, mm-hmm. like you understand how loaded that is. You're not right. just thinking like, oh right. yeah, it's, it's an animal. Great. <laughs> right, right. No, this is, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to get into because I think we need to be more literal. Mm-hmm. When I say we're all looking at the same thing, right. when we first walk into that gallery, we all see the same piece of art, literally with our eyes. That's it. Just yeah. we're seeing it, right? Absolutely. Or however, yeah. We you are know, truly, literally truly looking at the same thing. Yes. Here's where... You're helping me so much. Thank you, Russell. Here's where the magic happens. When we're looking at art, we can use it as a conversation piece to talk about those big emotions or mm. talk about, you know, if you said to me, I was I was raised in a, you know, a um, Southern Baptist household, I think you said. Mm-hmm. 
And perhaps you have some feelings associated with that as you've grown older and grown into your, into your own, either you really, you know, you feel passionate and you want other people to understand that, or you are maybe opposed to it and it was very stifling for you. You know, I don't know. That's you, Mm -hmm. but you know, being able to look at a piece of art and talk about why that piece makes you think of that part of yourself is allowing you to come to these realizations. And it's all about awareness. If I'm going to be in public and respond in a safe way, I have to first be aware of what my triggers are, right? And if I go into a therapist's office and the therapist says, tell me how you feel, Mm -hmm. we may not be comfortable expressing emotions when we're asked that question. But if we're given a piece of art and we're able to ask each other the five whys, why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. Why? Then we're cultivating this empathy for each other. But we're also practicing expressing our emotions. We're getting in touch with ourselves. We're saying, this piece offends me because of this or because of your response. It triggered this in me. And it creates a conversation that isn't so focused and so intimidating as, tell me how you feel. It's like a safer space. It's a, a that's exactly, I love that word, safe. In trauma-informed care, we use safety all the time. But I was trained to think of safety as real and felt. So mm-hmm. I can lock all the doors in my home and, and be safe, mm-hmm. like physically. But if I don't feel safe, that's different. And that's the same thing with isolation, I think, especially since COVID. We all have big emotions as a response to what's happened. It's the human experience. We're all feeling something. Some of those emotions are incredibly isolating for us because we don't know how to process. We don't know how to talk through those things. We don't, you know, we don't feel, we feel isolated, even if we're around other people as we come out of COVID. So I think expecting people to move through this period of time, specifically how tender it is with COVID and coming out and still kind of going back in and coming out. I don't know who knows what's happening, Mm. but I think using art, this big, big, beautiful museum with all these things in it that we can all look at together and have these conversations. We're coming out of that isolation in a far less intimidating way, in a far more empathic way where we're having conversations with others or we're given a sketchbook and someone says, just draw whatever you want to draw. And and then you can analyze that because we don't even know how to talk about this mm. stuff right now. You know, so I love that you said, but I see something different. That's exactly what needs to happen. That's right. exactly it. I mean, to me, that is what is exciting about looking at art and specifically talking about art with people is figuring out how much it says about them a mm-hmm. lot of times. I mean, that's a, oftentimes when you yes. talk to people and um, I was telling you a little bit about, you know, my experiences, say, doing public tours and things and and, and picking up on just people's feelings and, and mm-hmm. trying to uh, get to the bottom of those. Sometimes it's really fascinating for me in a way. I'm sure you would also really probably love to be a fly on the wall in oh, those situations. Yes. You know, it's always fascinating when, say, somebody gets you know, angry towards Mm -hmm. an inanimate object, essentially, Mm -hmm. or or a painting or something. And so it's like, whoa, like, let's unpack this. Like, what's going on here? Like, this is just a painting on the wall. It didn't do anything to you. (laughs) But like, where is that coming from? Like, you know, their feelings are obviously quite real. Well, and even just saying, you know, it's safe. It's about being together and building that empathy with people and and asking them why, right? And like Mm. digging into that. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, we are... I'm speaking from, I totally speak for myself, but I have felt really helpless. I've, I've not known how to help other people and I was raised to help other people, right? And with COVID and things that have happened, everything has been slightly derailed. So it's become difficult to figure out wh- how to know what to do next, right? Um, and you know, there's a lot going on with with the world and you can see there's 
people who are making the best of it and people who are having trouble. And I think when we're in this shared space looking at art together, we are able to give back in a way that perhaps is outside of the box, right? Like if you just stand with me next to this piece and I'm clearly, you know, triggered by it and I'm looking at it and just just you saying like, I'm here, mm-hmm. I'm here. If you want to tell me why, that's great. If not, we can move on when you're ready. How powerful is that just to have somebody next to you saying like, it's okay, it's safe, we're good. Yeah. You're next to me, we're co-regulating together. And you too, as the person standing next, you start to feel that dopamine dump of, okay, I'm helping, I'm doing something, I'm being present, I'm being in this moment, and it helps you. So it's, to me, it's a, um, it's a, there, it's, it's a definite interdependent process, right? Like you are not just there to help other people process artwork with you and, and they are not there for the, you guys are helping each other. You're sharing space, you're sharing neurons, you're sharing feelings. And that's, all being done through this amazing vehicle, which are these wonderful pieces of artwork that we can learn about and have conversation. And I I just think that it's a far more palatable way to approach things that may otherwise seem untouchable. Big emotions, scary emotions, things I've kept with me for years and years and years. How do I just start unpacking that? But it's going to catch up with me, you know? Yeah. I think one of the challenges I think we face is that sometimes I think we kind of have to convince people it is a safe space Mm -hmm. to talk about art. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of times, you know, I talk about sort of people kind of having almost like a chip on their shoulder vibe you're getting from them um, stems from some of the just kind of like preconceptions they have about like what this is, what this is about, like what our Mm -hmm. goals are. Um, And yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's just sort of showing people like, yeah, I'm I'm truly interested in what you have mm-hmm. to say. And I want to hear your take on this. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things like, I think people would be surprised, like, I absolutely would love for somebody to tell me how much they dislike a work of art. Like, I would adore mm-hmm. it. Like, nothing would be a bigger treat for me. You don't have to like this. Like, right. Like, <laughs> yeah. to somebody to say, like, I mean, <laughs> when it has happened, it is like mana from heaven yeah. to be yeah. given the chance to like, talk through it and be like, why? Like, <laughs> tell me why. Like, I, like want to, what? What? I want to hear more. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love, because there's nothing more fun than hearing somebody describe like why they didn't like a movie or something. Like just listening to somebody kind of like work through it is yeah. great. Um, whether I agree with them or not, it's always fascinating to hear and to get like discussion going amongst right. people as well. Like right. it's so fun. You're you're touching on some of the best parts of this. So, and you're right, it's going to take some convincing, right? Because maybe some of the people we bring in are not people who, again, we're a collection of things people tell us. They're not people who think they belong in an art museum. That's right? a, that's usually the biggest challenge, That's like right? a thing. That's a thing. Because I always try problem. to, I'm like people, I'm, I'm some of my friends, I'm like, I want to go to the art museum. And they're like, hmm. And I know it's because they don't know what they would do at the art museum. Like, they, I know that they're like, why, why would we go just stare at things? I don't really have a purpose there. You know what I mean? And so I think until we can. Which is funny because I'm just thinking like, that's kind of what you do when you watch TV, right? Is you sit and stare at things. Right. Right. But, and you have an opinion and you want right, to talk about right. it. Well, so <laughs> the actual act of it is not actually any different than what a lot of what you do, but to to get the most out of it, I think it generally requires you to put a little more into it yeah. too, right? Yeah. Like there's all sorts of of things that are kind of passive, you know, it's it's on the surface level, all of it's passive. I'm sitting, I'm looking, but um, you know, just as 
maybe a Marvel movie doesn't ask as much of you. Um, like it's kind of giving you a lot right, more right. And, and sort of walking you through like, okay, this happens and this happens. Right. And then, you know, there are other movies that might require you to ask questions. I was just going to say Marvel movies feel like a marathon to me because I have to try to understand what's going on. So maybe that's where we're going. <laughs> See, this is why we're having Actually, a yeah, that's true. That's true. Again, that's a great example of like, I use that just as sort of like a, like a popular movie. I'm like, Russell, there's not one that I watched that I didn't Google first to figure out what I was watching. What is this? <laughs> no, I'm probably actually in a more similar boat where I have like, I don't know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle maybe where I like have a, a certain understanding. You like start watching, then you get on Google like, okay, Yeah, I'm I don't, like, I don't, I generally wouldn't do that because I don't care that much. <laughs> I'm just sort of like, okay, like I'm happy to like, I'm also happy to watch it and just like let certain things go. Like, I'm sure that right. was about something I do not understand. And I'm- catch up with me later. I'm fine. Just yep. like understanding, yeah, these are the big beats that are important. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, so maybe I chose well, a bad example. But I think other things might demand more of you. And I think artwork is like that in that you sort of have to ask the questions and, mm -hmm. and, and you kind of have to go back and forth with it yourself. And that's just something a lot of people don't well, what really if, know how to do. What if I what if I give you a slightly different perspective on on the the contents and stuff and coming to the art museum? So for me, it's an entire experience mm -hmm. because we are talking about people and now I'm going to be really literal at times and other really like in the clouds you're gonna be like Kimmy I don't understand what you're saying that's fine I'll, I'll bring it back to earth but we are a group we are a society that was isolated by way of necessity Man. for a very long time and for some of us coming back out is a challenge because mm. it's we've lost some of the skills for social interaction or public interaction mm -hmm. right and so I think when we talk about bringing people to the museum and, and helping them feel safe here, there is so much gratitude we can offer people for just getting out of their house mm -hmm. and showing up at the front door. Coming to the museum is an experience. It is not just the pieces of artwork in the museum. And that's kind of where I'm going with this yeah. is that you have accomplished something huge by getting, I always tell people, do the next right thing. Right. Like we don't know what's going to happen in a day or a day after that or whatever. Just do the next right thing. And by coming to the museum, you got up out of bed, you came, you're here. That's perfect. You mm -hmm. don't have to do anything else. And then we talk about there's no right answer. How wonderful would it feel if I'm a person who's always concerned if I'm doing the right thing or if I'm going to say the right thing or maybe I have concerns about expressing myself, you know, for someone just to say to me, you don't have to do anything when you're here. Anything you say is right, and there is nothing wrong with what you're doing. Everything is okay. I would like to learn a little bit more about what you're thinking for our sort of future collaboration yeah. that we're doing. Um, this is very new, so I also am a little hesitant to say anything like too concrete because well, I know we're we're still kind of working it out. We for are. Next we're we're year. totally. We're like massaging it out, and 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 you guys are helping me a lot because I have all these big ideas. But I'm a collection of just trainings and the wonderful wisdom other people have taught me over the years. So, um, what we are thinking is um, exactly sort of what we talked about is we'd like to really bring in patrons who may otherwise not feel like they belong at the museum, or maybe people that. Um, really could, you know, identifiably benefit from co-regulation or being around other people or connecting with others. Some of these um, maybe more obviously isolated mm -hmm. parts of our community. Um, and while I can't tell you the details of like what every session will look like, it, there will definitely be um, sort of what we've talked about, which is the space to ask each other questions or not 
and space to look at a piece of art and talk about, you know, what is your first impression and why and where does that come from? And, you know, that all sounds really, really great. It's not going to happen exactly like that. But um, I'm looking at the benefit of the bigger picture, which is showing up every week for for three weeks for committing to it. We're going to give people an art journal, um, mm-hmm. most likely, so they can practice, you know, just really this transformative process of just being together, looking at something, having discussion, listening to others. It, it would be my dream if people walked away feeling like they were able to contribute to another human being in a way that was incredibly meaningful. It doesn't have to be therapy. It doesn't have to be prescriptive. It doesn't have to be, you know, what they came, maybe they, they're getting something out of it that they didn't know that they were yeah. coming for. Um, but it's just a way of creating safe space. And when Sarah and I were talking, it was like, wow, we have this big, beautiful museum and we can talk about so much stuff here and we can really get into some really great conversation. So we're going to go out into the galleries and I thought, um, this will be a little different than how I usually uh, do these where I feel like I tend to almost take over the conversation in this yeah. like gallery side. Cause it's like, okay, this is my turf now. I'm fine here. Um, but I kind of want you to lead me a little we're bit. We're just going to play the five wise. You'll be fine. I want to see how you think about this stuff and less about how I do. So we'll go out, we'll have a conversation. We'll ask each other the five whys. Okay. And then we'll digest it. All right. Awesome. Well, well let's go find something to look at. So we are in gallery 202 and we are looking at, I would say one of our, I think of this as like one of our rock star paintings. I don't know. Like I just, uh, it's one I've, I've maybe just because I've been looking at it since I was pretty young, but it's uh, called the toilet of Venus, uh, which is funny if you're in fourth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you take me? I know. And uh, I mean, I I guess I would be like the toilette of Venus. It's French. And by uh, the painter. Sounds exponentially more sophisticated. (laughs) Yes. Simon Vouet. Okay. Um, And so what, what, how would you start walk me through what we're going to do here? So Russell, you chose a, fantastic piece because there's a lot of expression going on here. So I think the first thing we'll do is kind of just have you pick a face that you see and kind of just describe to me what you think that the person might be feeling. Well, it's hard not to pick the <laughs> the face that's right in the center oh, yeah. of this one. Um, and it's also tricky because there are two versions of this Let's face. Let's go with both. Let's. I want to dig and, into both, yes. Um, and it's really... Uh, and I, that's what I actually find so fascinating about this painting is the subtle differences between those two faces. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, Venus. She's she's sitting on this uh, big cushiony bed. I don't know if it's really a bed or like what. Chase it is. lounge. Yeah, fancy. Yeah. Um, and she's you know I guess a servant or somebody is mm-hmm. holding up this mirror for her, and she's looking at her face in the mirror. So I mean, she has a pretty neutral expression in 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 the main painting i don't see her as really particularly would you label her as 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 happy or sad which which one is she more heavy on the on the happy side or the sad side on the colored my read of this is in the reality in the Mm -hmm. center (laughs) real version she feels a little more happy and then in the mirror she feels a little more sad Uh is how i read it um, so I, why do you think she's sad in the in the in the expression in the mirror? Tell us about that, especially because we're talking on audio. So what what does that look like? 
some of it is probably just the color. And, and, and mm-hmm. so that we have her cheeks look rosier. We can see everything looks a little more saturated in sort of real life. Um, and then I think in the mirror, everything feels a little grayer, a little desaturated and just a little bit darker too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's shadows, which, I mean, she does have the same shadows, um, but they feel, um, more, they there's they feel more contrasty uh-huh. on her face uh-huh. um and and there's just something about her expression too that just feels subtly what about her expression what about her facial features would indicate that she feels less happy in the in the more muted version hmm i mean it's really slight because again we're not talking like dramatic Mm-hmm. big toothy grin in one. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's really subtle, but there is like, if I just even look at her mouth, it feels a little less smiley uh-huh. in the reflection. Uh-huh. Um, and her eyebrows too just feel a little less. Yeah, it's the eyes. It's the eyes. Now, I'm going to tell you something different. So, if it's me, I, f- I like the darker colors mm-hmm. because the light sometimes is really... Being in the spotlight is not something I prefer. Yeah. I do, not, I do not like being in bright lights. I don't like being the center of attention. It's funny because I'm on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but I like the darker version of things, right? Are you a person who prefers the light or do you like not being in the spotlight? Where do you um, land on that? We're talking in real life. Mm-hmm. In real life, oh, I love being in the spotlight. Okay. okay. Yeah, you don't do start doing things like this because you don't like the attention. <laughs> you no. become the host of a podcast. Yep. No, no, I'm okay. very comfortable. Like, I love being in front of people. I love, it's, it's easily my favorite part of my job. So, okay. if I were, you know, what would I rather be doing? Sitting at my desk doing budgets or giving a tour in front of uh-huh. total strangers? Absolutely pick the strangers Okay. And learning about other people and things like that. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, absolutely. I love Uh that. So, Uh uh okay. Okay. So let's get back. Let's get back to our woman of the hour here. Um, so if I were to ask you, you know, you said the colors, the darkness of the colors make you feel like that one, she's less happy in that. Mm -hmm. What is it about dark colors? What do you associate that with in your brain? It isn't just the dark colors, I shouldn't say, because the same colors that are probably the darkest part of that painting are also in the outside part of, mm-hmm. of the painting. So if I look in, like, say, the shadows around that cherub's butt, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the same color or the, even the, this dark part of the red curtain. It's the same color. So it's, it's not one color acting by itself. It's, it's a lot of them together. It's mm-hmm. actually the absence of the bright. So okay. the highlights on her face... Um, are much more muted in that version, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. it's like, it's about a comparison more than it is anything else. It's about the comparison of how much how much brighter and more colorful she looks in one than in the other that makes me make this one so feel let's, sadder. So, let's get into that. So, why do you think the reflection in the mirror is darker? Um, in, well, in real life world... <laughs> I think, I don't know how, like, this is where it gets tricky for me because I don't know exactly which angle to approach it. But my real answer, if you were asking me that question, is I think it was an artistic choice because um, the artist is trying to make sure we understand pretty quickly that this is a reflection and not, you know, another human being in real life, that reflection might be just as high contrast as you would see it. But you put like a little gloss or something over it to mute it to make 
a mm-hmm. distinction that we would in real life understand immediately just by looking at it. But sometimes in a painting, those things can get confused. So you, mm-hmm. you figure out these little tricks to do. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's my real answer is I think it's a choice made to make it read as a reflection clearer. So what would be your answer if I said, why do you think he made the expressions different, slightly different? I mean, that, yes, that's a good question. That I think could be intentional. Like, it's interesting because I don't know whether it's intentional or not. Um, It could be a total accident. Like, he could be trying to make the same expression. But there's something what I think makes this painting actually fascinating is, and probably why a lot of people enjoy looking at it, is that it feels like he's trying to make some sort of statement about the difference between what we present to others and what we present to ourselves or correct what we see right yeah you know that's what it feels like Uh Uh i don't know if that's intentional or not but that's what i I i'm right there i'm right there with you i'm looking at the way her hand is touching that too Mm. so what what i'm thinking i guess what it makes me feel is that we all kind of have these these dichotomous parts of ourselves right there's like the people the person that everybody sees yeah and then the person that we see right right and For me, and I don't know what this says, this is where, you know, this conversation is helpful to me, but the brightness and the, the, you know, reality of the, the central face there, Mm -hmm. um, being what other people see. And then the way that she's touching the more muted tones and the look in her eyes is what haunts me here is like telling me like, maybe they don't know. Mm. Maybe they don't know what I see when I look in the mirror. Maybe I don't see what other people see when they look at me. That's Mm -hmm. sort of my take on this. So if you were to ask me like, where does that come from? Or why does, why does, what a feeling (laughs) does that associate for you? You know, that's where I'm going to tell you, that's a little bit of a scary feeling. That's a scary thing to admit, right? Or a scary thing to think about. And even if this is an artist's choice or whatever, what have you, do you feel like there are two versions of yourself? Like, do you feel like there's the you that some people see, or maybe in certain groups, you're one person and other groups, you're another how does that feel to you? Oh, absolutely. That, that interpretation. I'm a total chameleon. You can identify with that? Oh, yeah. Like, I, and, and it's weird because I think on some levels there are definitely aspects. I mean, I think of this is in probably smaller ways. I don't think, like, when I say, oh, absolutely, the, the mirror me will mm-hmm. say is yeah. not, I don't think it's dramatically different. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's more subtle. It's like those little subtle shades of performance you put uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, totally. And it, you know what's really fascinating? Um, I don't know, like, I'm sure this has been off discussed. So again, not an original idea, but um, as everybody's, you know, so many people are working from home. And if you're married and you're like listening to your spouse on work calls, you immediately are like, oh, you have a work voice. Right, right. Yes. And so I've heard it in my husband and I'm sure he's heard my work voice. And like, you know, especially somebody that you live with and you're like so comfortable with where, you know, you know, you sound different than that. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yes, I I totally get that. Or, you know, what's also funny is like I'm on calls with my my colleagues here and we're on a call and then suddenly their spouse will walk into the room and they talk to them at home and it's like, oh, that's a different, I don't hear that. Like I don't hear that you. Yep. And uh, I think we've all like probably had those moments. So yeah, I'm really aware of that or like the way I'll like butch up my speak. Uh, my speech sometimes when I'm like, if I have to talk to a mechanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. You're like, you're going to, I know about this. You can respect me. I know these answers. Right, even though I don't know anything right. about it. Right. Um, so you're involved and you're like, no, I can get that windshield wiper cheaper somewhere else. Yep. So yeah, I think there's like definitely 
I don't think of it as, oh, there's a whole new different me, but I am very aware of the Versions way I'm of sort you. of like subtly mm -hmm. modulating those and why do you think it. why do you think you've adapted these different versions? We kind of touched on it when we talked about the mechanic. Why do you think we adapt different versions of ourselves? Um, yeah, it's like it, it's about sort of coming across as maybe respectable mm -hmm. in some instances or professional in some cases, right? When we're talking mm -hmm. about that work voice, mm -hmm. right? Like that's different than your your home voice. So it, it is about the the kind of it's about survival. Right. Yeah. It's about survival. Like yeah, if I, like yeah. if I'm going to go, you know, visit somebody, you know, a friend who just lost a loved one or something, I'm not going to be super jovial and happy. And I'm, I'm going to put on a version of myself that's empathic and ready for this, you know? And so I almost think when I look at her and we know this is Venus, so she's a very prolific individual, but I almost think that she has this public aura. She is this one version of herself. Right. You're smiling because you know where I'm going with this. And then there's this other part of her that maybe she's not as comfortable revealing or the way that hand is touching her face, that forlorn sort of like, oh, you, you yeah. know, it's like, are we, are we okay as a society having different versions of ourselves? Does that feel safe? Is that okay? Right. And how often do we talk about that? Why I'm actually laughing and smiling is more that like, the idea that she's not a person, like she's yeah. the embodiment of an idea yeah, right. of love. Right. So like even that is like kind of funny to me that she would have this sort of level of like pathos. She's like a cynic. Yeah, I know. Right, because like, like yeah. why would she? Like there's almost yeah. no reason for it. Are but you going to break my heart and tell me none of this ever? No, there's no love anywhere. And... Well, well, but I mean, then again, actually that's fitting with like more fitting with the idea of the sort of fallibility of the gods when we get into like Greek right, and Roman. Right. So, I mean, maybe that's perfect. Right. I mean, they, they are sort of flawed characters. They're not supposed to be perfect ideals. So, uh, I mean, that's actually kind of great. Um, maybe We might have just landed on what the artist was trying to convey there, Russell. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no I, I appreciate your insights. And I think, I think it's interesting to think, well, first of all, this conversation is enlightening to me because look where we traveled from where sure. we started. It's great. But it really makes me think and it helps me to hear you say that you have different versions of yourself because I 100% identify. I've been in professional settings where I really get along with the person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, am I being a little too personal, Kimmy, or do I need to rein it in? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not, I'm not totally comfortable with that because it's like, right. I want to be able to be my my most genuine self around everybody. But yeah, when I go to Valvoline and they offer me air filters and I just got it replaced last week, I have to be a little rough. Yeah, the edges, right, right, you right. Know? yeah. I have to act like I know that it's really dirty and I don't know what I'm talking about. But no, it's, you know, I think we do these things for survival and to know that it's okay it is, is helpful in feeling safe, right? Like, oh, I'm actually doing these things to survive. I'm not just hiding parts of myself. I'm adapting and conforming and ebbing and flowing. I'm always very aware of how I do it, or I guess, no, that's not true. I have become more aware of how I do it over the years. Um, I probably wasn't a very aware of how I, how much I did it when I was like 20. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something I've also just observed. It's something I find endlessly fascinating is the kind of, I think of it as like, um, there's like an invisible script that everyone has to follow mm -hmm. in polite society or in just society in general. Um, and it's really fascinating and delightful to me when like somebody doesn't know the script. Yeah. And I was at the symphony one time and there was this woman sitting kind of like, I don't know, she was maybe in the next row in front of me and down just a little bit. And 
it was this like really modern kind of slow, very quiet piece that they were playing at at first. And, and, uh, she like kind of reaches into her purse and she like <laughs> pulls out a chicken sandwich. Oh my gosh. Like wrapped in like paper. Oh my gosh. And she starts like unwrapping <laughs> it like kind of loudly. And I'm like looking at her and I'm kind of like shooting daggers at her and like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Oh my gosh. And, um, and then like she kind of gets out the sandwich, she unwraps it, and then she like reaches back into her purse and she pulls out like a, a can of Sprite. No. And then she like cracks no. it open in the middle. Of the Did she look up at all? Did she look around her? Did she have any awareness? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. But I went from so like I was very like oh my god I can't believe this woman until I watched other people reacting like I was. Right. 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 And then. I was she. I was her biggest fan, basically. Oh like I started loving You're her. Like, Do you? Get I it. love it. Like bring a chicken sandwich to the symphony. Open that I was sprite. Say, there's so many things about this story that are <laughs> red flags to me. <laughs> First of all, where do you get a sandwich in wrapper like that? Unless like maybe. Did she bring it from home? Was it in foil? I think no. It was like paper, like maybe like Wendy's or something. Stop. Yeah, Stop. like I don't know. I couldn't. I mean, it He's wasn't close enough heart. to read it, but like it felt like something you bought. Somewhere Anytime else. is chicken time. Yeah, and it was just funny because it took me watching other people being mad to like make me not mad. Do you ever wish that there were times that like you could be her, that you just didn't care if you followed the societal oh rules, that you just like... If only. You know, exactly. No, that's what I actually am going to bring it back to this is like, is there a part of her? Because I feel like you're like, oh my God, I'm trying to bring it back to the art. But I was no, thinking you should. that. <laughs> Somebody I'm, should. That's my job, I'm but I'm glad now. you're doing it. Yeah. I wasn't waiting for you to say she opened a bag of chips because that's just the worst with the smell. We just incite all the senses there. But no, I'm looking at her and I actually think that she has a forlorn look in the version of her that is bright and colorful. Yeah. yeah. And I'm almost wondering, because I have literally felt like this in certain situations, like, oh, I wish I could say what I'm really thinking or I wish people really knew what I was, you know, where I'm at with this. Um, but I feel like that's possibly, we talked about maybe society has this image of her or this thought of what she represents. And it's like, is she aching to be is is she aching to be different mm. or be her real self or is this version look how she's looking out at everybody else in the yeah. mirror that to That's, me is like very i don't know it's haunting to me her look in the mirror is what is like yeah i think that's a great way of describing her look real life her I feel like she there is a certain longing to her expression mm -hmm. that you you captured there. Th th that's like when I was I kept kind of not knowing how to describe it very well, but I kept like, well, she's not really like happy or sad. Like she sort of, but I, so I think that longing is is a great way of. of she's almost like resolute. It. Like, well, I'm just gonna do this what I do every day. You know what I mean? It almost looks like she's just like she looks older in that version, and she looks more. Mm -hmm weathered like i don't know how to even say it like she just looks, in the mirror yeah it yeah. just looks like i've been doing this for so long because this version of her in the light she's got these rosy cheeks she's got this suppleness you know what i mean it's just different there's a yeah there's like a steeliness to mm -hmm. the the reflection that's like that's that maybe also corresponds to that idea of age that you're maybe talking about too that how like, do you think like if you felt like that like what would help you get out of that space that she's in like if you felt like you were muted. What would help you like feel safer? What conditions would make you feel safe to be your real self, to be your true self? 
I mean, I think just being around people that you do feel comfortable being authentic around, mm-hmm. right? Like, because mm-hmm. we, we all, you know, mm-hmm. as we we're talking about these different places we go and p- mm-hmm. different sort of personas, like, you have those people that you do feel like, oh, no, this is, like, the most authentic. And I think that is, like, probably what most of our friendships have in common, right? Is that you, mm-hmm. there's probably somebody that you feel more that you trust that you feel more authentic yeah. around right yeah. like and authenticity to me comes from that trust like i don't trust necessarily the guy at the auto body shop because he's always trying to upcharge me <laughs> he's shown me that he's you know what i mean right, 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 i right. mean it's totally true so like it comes down to like when can i be that person in the mirror and i think it's only with a select few people that we really invest in yeah and that we trust yeah. and i love the word authenticity well i i've i've nod this to pieces here with you but this was <laughs> this was fascinating to me because you see entirely different things than i do oh which really is great yeah when you start talking about the color i was like oh i was really looking at the facial features and the like i had this like big grand interpretation of it and i just loved hearing your take on it okay. i thought that was fascinating yeah like i said it's sometimes a little hard for me to divorce I, uh, my particular angle which is i am always thinking about why an artist does something like why why did they make this choice why did they do that and um do you know what you're doing when you do that, though? What? You're building empathy. That's yeah. wonderful. I thought about, I was listening to the song Let It Be, because my mom loves the Beatles, and she sends me Beatles songs every uh-huh. day. And I was thinking the other day, like, what? Because it almost brought me to tears. I love the guitar solo. But I was like, what was John, what were they thinking when they wrote this song? They had to be exasperated by something. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, why would they be telling people to let it be? And well, I, look, well and luckily, I was, there's now like a eight-hour documentary that will tell you all about you. it. So. No, I don't have to wonder. Thank but, you, Peter I mean, Jackson. But I really was thinking, like, I get it. Like, I have had days, especially since COVID, where I'm like, oh, my God, can we just let it be? You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell you that. So it was like, really, like, when you say you're wondering why the artist did what he did, like, kudos to you, because that's you building empathy and trying to find that common space. And that's really hard, actually, a lot of times, because well, we're so self focused you know what i mean to make to make me sound maybe a little less noble it's also do you want to do that yeah i don't i always Take do this moment i don't i don't always i, I, I definitely don't want that walk uh, away now no i think it's it's to me that's also like if you are an artist and you like i don't subscribe to the the idea that you know van gogh may have been very very particularly sad mm-hmm. and he may have made a painting that made you feel very particularly sad but i don't think it's like some magical um, conduit mm-hmm. that is transferring one person's sadness through paint and back into you. Like, right. I don't think it's, it's that shamanistic. I think it is more that he has made choices in the painting that make you feel that way. And that mm-hmm. is what I'm always interested in is like, what are the choices this person has mm-hmm. made in mm-hmm. making this that is making me feel that way? And, and I feel like that if you if you also aspire to make things that make people feel certain mm-hmm. ways, you will learn more um, by studying that and trying to break that down than you will by just sort of like, well, if I feel this way while I make this thing, it's going to suddenly right. magically make somebody. And that's not usually how it works. Do you create things like, are you are you an artist yourself? Do you do art yeah. in your own time? So when you do art, do you think of it like that? Like, I want this to make people feel a certain way, or are you just hoping to achieve a feeling of some sort? Yeah, like a feeling or, um, and sometimes that's maybe intangible, or you mm-hmm. can't necessarily put it into words at the moment. Um, I feel like usually... 
hindsight is twenty twenty on things like that, where you look back at something you made, you know, years later, and it's like suddenly snaps into focus. Right, like, oh, right. that's what this like was, I was about. I was having a rough time then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. like you just like realize, like, oh, I was working through this. Yeah, and I've always been a person who's like almost able to be sort of more honest and and in that work in that mm-hmm. way than I even am with myself, where mm-hmm. I'm looking at stuff I made as a teenager. And I'm like, oh my God, like this work is so queer. I did not know that about myself. (laughs) So it's like, you know, just like, or just was not allowing myself to to know that about my, you know, it's just like, it gets really, really fascinating. That's the beauty of artwork though. That's, that's the absolute beauty of it is that it teaches us about ourselves. Like in this conversation, I'm learning about myself. Like I'm learning far more coming out of this than I knew going into it. And because we took this piece to talk about it, I'm going to remember this piece, this image, and it's going to connect in my brain this feeling I'm feeling of this shared space. Well, thank you so much for joining me today uh, on the podcast. No, absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. The museum is currently open, but please visit our website for the most up-to-date information about operating hours and museum policies. Upcoming special exhibitions are Working Together, the Photographers of the Kamoinge Workshop, and David Driscoll, Icons of Nature and History. Both open on February 25th. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we also have an Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Ofrand Musical by Bacalao. And as always, please rate and review us to help others find the show. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum. 